This is the Swan Song Financial Show with Kevin and Michael Anthony from Golden Years Financial Advisors. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Kevin and Michael provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is the Swan Song Financial Show with Kevin and Michael Anthony. Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Financial Show. My name's Kevin Anthony. And I'm Michael Anthony. We're with Golden Years Financial Advisors, and we'd love to hear from you about our shows and topics that you may have questions on. You can always email us. Uh, you could always give us a call at 574-968-SWAN, S-W-A-N. That's 574-968-7926. Or you could take a look at our website, goldenyears-advisors.com. We have all the listing of our radio shows on there. Or you can listen to the radio shows on Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, in or Google Play. I guess another one, right, Michael? Yes, sir, it there, is. There you go. Uh, that's one I typically use, right? So don't hesitate to reach out and give us a call and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Today we're going to talk about uh, should I buy a house, something that is... Uh, represents why a lot of American dreams out there. And Michael, uh, you might be one of the experts right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite an expert on it yet, but uh, I did just buy my first house. So that's uh, pretty exciting. But, you know, I think we're going to talk about some pros and cons of home ownership. And, uh, you know, I'm learning. Uh, so this seems to be a pretty prevalent uh, subject right now. I know we've been talking about it a lot. Super excited to be in my own first house, but there's definitely pros and cons to it. And, you know, it sometimes makes sense financially for some people and for other individuals, maybe not. Um, so it, it's a pretty important topic. The housing market's been pretty crazy this last year, still moving forward. And, you know, with interest rates being so low, a lot of people are considering, you know, do I want to pull out a mortgage right now? Do I want to refinance right now? And then right. on top of that, you have everyone that's been stuck at home during, uh, you know, COVID quarantine and they want to fix parts of their houses and so on and so forth. So it's a pretty prevalent topic, I would say. Yeah. And I guess probably coming all the way down to it is if you are going to buy a home, be financially ready to do it. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, it's extremely important. You know, it's uh, homes can be expensive and you want to make sure that you have the funds in order to get into that home safely and comfortably. Right. Yeah. So the just to give you a little basis on there, the home that you purchased, super nice home, uh, but needs some remodeling. So you're looking at things like kitchens and bathrooms and new flooring and oh, painting yeah. and on and on and on. And uh, how you enjoyed your daily trips to the lumber store. I'm getting pretty tired of them, but uh, I can definitely find my way through Menards and Home Depot a lot easier than I could a couple months ago. So it's uh, it's moving right along, but it adds up quick. You yeah, know? a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there, and then paint and those kind of things uh, 
add up. So make sure, I guess what we're talking about, make sure you know what you're doing when you're getting ready to buy a home. So we're going to talk about some of the pros of buying a home, some of the reasons you may not want to buy a home. And we're actually going to talk about uh, the potential of being a a long-term renter too within this uh, podcast here today. So um, how else should we get started? You know what? Let's start off with an article that was in The Balance, Eight Reasons to Buy a Home. And the first reason, and we're going to talk about why should you buy a home? Again, that's the American can dream out there and we hear about that a lot but the first uh, reason to buy a home for most people is simply just the uh, simple old pride of ownership michael yeah i couldn't agree more you know there's no more list of rules of what you can and can't do that you often have in a renting situation it's right. man if you want to paint the wall like an orange or pink go for it you can do whatever <laughs> you want there's no one that's going to stop you you may not be able to sell it that way but you can do what you <laughs> want <laughs> and then honestly you know when it comes to finances your home can really increase in value over time which which can create future equity which is a nice place to be in sure Sure it is. And, and I think maybe, you know, uh, some of the things to even cover there today is the real estate market. This is it's sort of it's an equity, really. It goes up in value, down in value. So sometimes even we're going to talk a little bit about that there. You got to know what the trends are in the marketplace. And uh, I know in our area up here in the frozen tundra of the northern Indiana <laughs> <laughs> that our marketplace is uh, really uh, a seller's market. And what we mean by that is uh, homes are not lasting very long on the market. And a lot of times they're getting more than the asking price. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Believe me, I've been paying attention to houses weekly every day this year around <laughs> the area um, and in a really nice way that you can kind of get an idea of if your house possibly could rise in value is there's a really good tool on the federal housing finance agency's uh, website. It's called the House Price Index Tool. So you can go to their website, fhfa.gov, and then using that House Price Index, you can track the history of home values in a given community and neighborhood and kind of figure out what the trends are for that area. True, true. Because again, when you're looking at equity, a lot of people assume that I buy a home today and then five years or six years later when I'm getting ready to move that I will automatically have equity in there because a lot of folks believe that homes and real estate values go up each and every year. But let us not forget 2009 and 2010, uh, where there was quite the uh, plummet of home values. So again, when the market's up like this, just make sure you know what you're thinking about when you're thinking about equity. If you purchased a a home that may be a little overvalued today, that's gonna be a little bit less equity five or six years from now, but the overall trend of real estate, of course, is up. So it has a, it has a dependency on how long you actually hold that home to before you sell it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a long-term commitment in order to really get into all that equity. Um, so, so a question for you, um, you know, I'm a first time home homeowner. So what are some of the tax benefits of owning a home? I know there's things like, you know, mortgage deductions. So jump into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you take a look at some of the tax benefits and, uh, you know, around here, we like to talk about taxes and tax law. Um, You do have interest on that mortgage uh, that you're taking out on a home that can be, that can be, and I should say can be deductible. Okay. 
It's not automatic. Sometimes I hear people want to buy a home because they can automatically deduct that interest on itemized deductions. And the point of it is, is a few years ago uh, with the um, tax law that came through that uh, they implemented a standard deduction. And that standard deduction for a husband and wife is uh, $25,100 here in 2021. So that just simply means that you have to have over $25,100 in itemized deductions to be able to, which includes things like mortgage interest, taxes paid, uh, charitable contributions, these kind of things. And if you're over that limit, then actually, and you can actually that mortgage interest that you're paying could be a tax deductible. So that is one definite uh, tax uh, savings area there. Uh, another one, really, I guess, actually, IRS Publication 530 is really a great resource if somebody wants to write that down out there. Again, IRS Publication uh, 530. It talks a lot about um, uh, different items that are deductible. So another item in that, Michael, would be property taxes. Uh, sometimes those are not built into your mortgage, and at the end of the year, you get a statement on interest paid. They'll also break down uh, property taxes and or insurance that was paid, but the property taxes themselves could also be deductible, including the interest mortgage. Yeah, something definitely to keep in mind when considering purchasing a home. It, it can be beneficial for some, but again, as you mentioned, standard deductions are very high right now, so a lot of people aren't using their itemized deductions, and you know that might change in the future, but you know, just good information. Yeah, yeah. I guess the point of that is is making sure that you're not purchasing a home just so you can deduct the interest on the mortgage uh, because maybe you can, maybe you can't. And I know in the past and going back, even when I purchased a home, my initial homes and everything else, interest deductions on a mortgage were almost automatic. There was no such thing as a standard deduction. So things have changed. So again, watch that standard deduction and can you or can you not. But I would simply sit back and say, if you can deduct property taxes and in the mortgage, those are still not probably the greatest reasons why you want to buy a home. Uh, again, it comes back to pride of ownership and potential equity uh, on those um, uh, those opportunities. And, and the other the equity basis of that, Michael, has to do with when you get ready to sell a home. And talk to us a little bit about uh, capital gains and how that works. If I bought a home for, say, $200,000 and a few years down the road, I sold it for $300,000. Yeah. So if it was a few years down the road and you've actually lived in that house for those few years, you wouldn't have to pay the capital gains tax on that. Um, so, so there's a specific rule in here. It's you have to live in a house for two out of five years in order to get this great capital gains exclusion. So if you live in a house for two out of five years, you don't have to pay capital gains up to a certain limit. So let's say um, there's a house that's $250,000. I'm a single individual. Okay. As a single individual, I have a $250,000 cap gains exclusion. So if I sell a house for 500,000, I bought it for 250,000, I don't have to pay any taxes on those capital gains. And that's that's huge. That's not. And as a married couple, it's $500,000. So if you bought a house for 250k, you sell it for 750k, that's pure 500k of profits and all you have to do is live in that household for two years so and you can use this every two years so especially if someone's very 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 handy they know what they're doing how to fix up houses how to remodel houses you know I, i have a few buddies that do things along these lines where they will buy a house 
live in it for two years, you know, just crank up the value in it because they know how to fix it up and then they'll sell it. And then they'll do it again in two years and do it again in two years because that capital gains exclusion is really, really, really wonderful. But if you sell it within, let's say, like a year or something like that, that's a long-term capital gain. If you sell it in less than a year, that's going to be a short-term capital gain and it's going to be taxed as such. Okay. And what if I um, purchase a home and sell it and have my capital gains do it? Do do I have to reinvest into another home um, or am I okay with that? I mean, capital gains there. I guess it's a good question because I hear that out there. I know the answer, but what what would you say uh, the answer to that is and how that should be handled? No, you don't have to. Uh, simple enough. No. No. Okay. Period. Like that. So I can sell my primary residence. And we'll talk about this a little bit when we come into renting, as we see maybe some retirees who say, I want to simplify life. And we go into a rental instead of their old homestead and they sell it and they have a $300,000 capital gain. They do not have to turn around and buy another primary residence at that time. That is correct. That sounds like a good tax uh, program to know about there. And uh, again, being informed on taxes is important too. So again, we're covering today at the show, we're really covering the ideas of should we purchase a home? Should you purchase a home? Should you rent? Um, should you not purchase a home? And if you want more information on what we talk about today, just let us know. Again, 574-968-7926 or contact us uh, via email or through the website at goldenyears-advisors.com. So, Michael, what else do you have for us here today? Yeah, so let's uh, hop in a little bit to some of the cons of purchasing a house. I think we've hit some of the pros, you know, pride of ownership, if you want capital gains, exclusions from selling it, so on and so forth. But why shouldn't we? Um, And to guide this a little bit, there was another article from The Balance called Simply why you shouldn't buy a house. Pretty simple. And, and it really touches on some of the good points and points that most people think of. And I think the first point that it brings up that is kind of common sense, but seems to not always be common sense is <laughs> being able to manage the down payment. Right. Um, you know, a down payment's one of the big reasons why people don't have a house in the first place are, you know, they're just getting into their careers and they don't have a large down payment saved up. You know, that can delay the timing of when someone would want to get into that first house. Um, and you know, it's, it's, there is benefits. There is, you know, like the VA loan out there, the first time home buyer program, which can help and assist people that need some help for reaching a down payment. But normally what you're looking for is, is you would prefer to have at least about, you know, that 20% on a down payment. Now, if you're using one of the programs, first time homeowner or VA, it can be, you know, the down payment as low as 3.5% or, you know, to 10%. But Conventionally speaking, 20% would be ideal, 10%, that, that works as well. Yeah, I think what, so what you're saying there is uh, if you don't have a down payment and you're trying to use a program that maybe uh, that doesn't have a down payment or a lower down payment, look at the reasons why you're doing that. If the reasons are that you really can't afford it, you don't have your cash reserves build up, you may be better off just pushing that pause button for a year or two, build up that cash reserve. And and even if you do take advantage of say a three and a half percent down payment with an FHA or something like that, it's really important and you're finding out it's really important to have that cash reserves because expenses come up, right? Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Especially if it's a house that you're going into and you're remodeling and fixing, it adds up quick. 
very yeah, quick. Absolutely. Another thing that we see a lot of times um, that is maybe reasons for not purchasing a home, if you will, is so it really based on your credit score. And we've talked about credit score a lot, a lot here. Um, I'm very much a proponent, as both you and I are, as far as protecting your credit score. But your credit score plays a big role in your ability to buy a home and into the interest rates uh, that you get for that particular loan. So in essence, if you've got a I'd say credit score below 620, uh, you actually might find it a little bit harder to get a, um, a loan or a mortgage uh, that is a, at a favorable rate because then again, it, it can move up rates. So out there in the market, when you're hearing like 2.85, that's typically for folks with uh, some fairly good credit. Uh, and again, if your credit's in maybe that 620-ish range or something right in there, you may not be able to get that loan. And again, I know like in FHAs and there's some other programs out there that you can actually get down to 580 in a credit score, um, mm-hmm. which again, if your score is 580, you might be better <clears throat> off working on getting your credit score up. But again, just so you know that, uh, that if it is a 580 style credit score and then somebody offers you a, a mortgage, check the interest, check check a lot of that detail because it's not going to be the most favorable terms. Yeah, you're definitely right. And you know, of course, the higher interest rate on a loan means you have to pay more funds. Um, but one thing I think that's really True. important to keep in mind for for a lot of people, um, is paying attention to what your debt ratio is when you buy a house because you are most people start off with a mortgage, right? I mean, most people don't just outright have a hundred, two hundred, three hundred k to you know pay cash for a house. Normally, they have to take a mortgage. You know, people in their mid twenties. I mean, no matter what age, but especially when people start, that's very, very common. And you know, this is a bit of a hurdle at times because you want to make sure that. You don't owe so much money that it's going to hurt you in the future because it, it can be really tempting to go out there and buy a house that is a little bit outside of your means at times. And you're absolutely uh, right. There, there's a few different like ratios to look at. And, you know, it's when lenders look at ratios, they, they change. When a financial advisor looks at like your debt ratio, it, it can be slightly different. There is a there is a range. But when you're looking at a total debt ratio, compared to your monthly income, so your monthly debt payments and your monthly income, you should be looking 40% or below, in my opinion, Right. as far as how much of that monthly income is going towards debt payments. Yeah, and I think these articles would attest to that same thing. And I think we should throw out there, too, uh, just our own observation would be that if you're struggling getting a mortgage because of your credit score or your debt ratio, those are not only red flags for the lender, that should be a red flag for yourself too. Uh, you should probably push that pause button. One of the things I like to say and maybe sit back and go, man, we're, we're hearing that this might be something that we shouldn't be doing right now. Maybe we should take a look at this a year down the road. So caution, caution when they're, when you're having challenges, a caution could be because you're a credit risk to the lender, but you ought to probably sit back and take a look at your own finances at that time and talk with your uh, financial professional. And, you know, we can help those kind of things. Absolutely. It is a long term commitment. It, it truly is. And, you know, that, but that's part of one of the reasons is to maybe why you shouldn't want to buy a house. It's are you in the position where you can say, hey, I'm going to live here for the next five, 10, 30 years. I mean, where are you at in your job right now? Where are you at in your relationship? Are you going to move? Is a right. job going to take you elsewhere? You know, that's uh, pretty important when you make a large investment into a house that 
most of the time can't move with you. And most of the time cannot. That is very, very true. And that's a great, uh, great thing. We'll talk a little bit more about that, even when it comes to renting and some of the advantages to renting when it comes to potential moving a lot. But it's really important out there not to succumb, if you will, to the mythology of the American dream to buy a home before you're ready to do that. And I think that is a real key. If there's a lot of pressure out there, especially in newly married uh, families who were renting, but gosh darn it, just uh, we got to have the American dream of buying a home. Just make make sure that you're ready for that because it does take a lot uh, to be able to purchase a home. It, it's a great feeling, like we said, it's a wonderful feeling out there, but just make sure you're not sort of succumbing to some of the pressures we hear in the media. It's going to be one of my areas. Can I, I'm going to bring up one other point um, that's going to be probably uh, a little different here too is this whole issue of um, financing and and rates we're, we're hearing a lot of low rates right now michael um, really low absolutely and so we get a lot of people who are refinancing and it's, we've come across this idea that now what you've refinanced two years ago then maybe you should refinance again i'm going to throw a little caution out there refinancing is a good thing but i i like math okay and i like numbers <laughs> all right when you look at just look at a mortgage amortization schedule, you pay your interest and the majority of this money up front. So all of a sudden, if you're into a mortgage for five years and you think that you can save three quarters of a percent by refinancing out there, just make sure it's the right move for you um, because you already paid a lot of the mortgage interest up front. And now you're going to go back and you get another mortgage. And again, you're going to be back to paying that interest up front. Even though that rate could be lower, mathematically, it may be the wrong thing to do. So be careful on refinancing, 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 because I know our rates are, rates are really low, but low right now. But uh, just a little sidebar. Sometimes you actually buy in the Kool-Aid that's out there, if you will, or you're drinking that Kool-Aid, that in essence, uh, it's going to be costing you more money over a period of time because of the amortization schedule of a mortgage. Yeah. It's it's a simple mathematical equation. Find out what the break-even point is, when you're going to start saving money, if you're going to start saving money by doing a refinance, and then you make a decision. Purely mathematical. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we just talk, you know, throw that out there for you guys to think about those things. If you have a question on that, give us a call. Uh, we can help you. We've got some software we can help you with. We can help you through those kinds of equations. And uh, so, Michael, let's transition into the last part of this at this time. This has been a fun program. Uh, and let's transition uh, into the why should somebody potentially rent instead of buy? Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this one. I know I just bought my first house and I, you know, I love the feeling of walking in and being like, ah, this is mine. But you know, I already recognize what's so great about renting and I knew it beforehand, but goodness gracious, I hate plumbing. It is the <laughs> worst. You know, I just don't I simply don't know much about it. And I have to deal with that now. Maintenance free living truly is wonderful. It really is great. I mean, yeah, maybe you're paying a little bit extra for something like that. But, you know, boom, toilets wrong, showers wrong or, you know, the oven stops working. You know what? Forget it. I'm going to call maintenance and it's going to be fixed. That's what a great thing about renting. Yeah. And wouldn't you rather, though, wouldn't you rather, Michael, over a weekend, uh, you know, when the refrigerator goes out and you were going to go out and have a good time, wouldn't you rather go buy a refrigerator with those funds? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, a little facetious there, but in actuality, that's the reality of buying versus renting. So, again, if you don't have a really good uh, emergency fund and a lot of cash and those kind of things, 
because we find out a lot of people are using their credit card as an emergency emergency fund, and that is a financial disaster. So again, if you don't have the reserves to be able to replace a furnace or replace a refrigerator even, and we're starting to see that, um, really renting might be the better thing. So maintenance, ease of maintenance, somebody else handles all those responsibilities. There's a lot of amenities most of the time as well, depending on, you know, the condo complex or the apartment complex, pools, fitness centers, you know, group activities, so on and so forth. You know, normally as we're talking about maintenance costs, most of the people I know that have pools, I hear them talk more about the cost of upkeep of a pool rather than their pool parties. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's sort of like buying a boat. There's a great two great days there of the day you buy it, the day you sell it. But uh, no, you're exactly right. There is a lot of maintenance that goes with that as opposed to just walking out of your apartment and heading to the pool area where somebody else is taking care of that. Um, the other part of you know, you don't have to worry about real estate taxes. Very true. And uh, again, taxes are taxes. Uh, so in the other part of that is with the value of property moving up and down, um, which it does, you, you don't have to worry about, uh, when you're renting, you don't have to worry about the property values moving up and down real estate taxes, uh, are play a big role in there. And even as much as, uh, homeowner's insurance is a little more than renter's insurance. Yeah, that's true. And I think one of the big financial aspects has that, and we pretty much hinted to it earlier, but you don't need a down payment. Yep. For apartments. I mean, yeah, you might need something like a, like a month's worth of rent as like a deposit or two months worth of rent as a deposit, but you don't need to put down a large down payment. That's exactly right. And you should be prepared for a down payment before you buy a home like we already talked about. So if you're not, renting is probably a pretty good thing. And flexibility was one of those things we mentioned earlier. If you're a person that may be on the move a little bit, uh, maybe it's your stage of life. It could be grandchildren. It could be all kinds of great things out there. But flexibility of being able to move without the burden of selling a home, buying a home, and going through that whole process again, closing costs and everything else. So again, renting might be a good alternative in there. What other options, Michael, do you see in that? You know, I guess a lot of times when people think of renting, they think of younger individuals. But, you know, right. honestly, even in retirement, renting's not a bad deal. I mean, right. especially for people that want to travel a lot, go places, not have to worry about maintenance. I mean, we see quite a few people that, you know, maybe have a home base somewhere and then like to be snowbirds or just travel around and, you know, they have a lot or they're renting a place somewhere else or something along those lines. Or even they have a townhouse here that, you know, most of the maintenance is taken care of. And then they just vacation and do like monthly rentals. It's it can be used in a lot of different scenarios and yeah. you know, there's pros and cons to all of it. There really is. True. True. And simplicity, uh, especially when you're getting older and you want to do a little traveling, like you said, are we seeing people that may be selling their homestead, taking those funds, uh, using them towards renting or uh, maybe a less expensive condo that somebody else is shoveling the snow, yeah. uh, which is a beautiful thing. So again, a lot of good information there, Michael, about being able to rent, um, also being able to purchase a home and the value to that and when to push that pause button and, and not uh, maybe get into that uh, mortgage itself. So again, a great show. I think it's been fantastic as it's real prevalent to what we're, what's happening today in the real estate market. Anything else to add to it, Michael? Nope. I think that's it for me. Well, fantastic. Well, you've been listening to the Swan Song Financial Show. Uh, we're Kevin and Michael Anthony. 
And if you need to get in touch with us, call us at 574-968-SWAN. That stands for Sleep Well at Night. And that's 574-968-7926. Or check out our website at goldenyears-advisors.com. And we look forward to talking to you on our next podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Swan Song Financial Show. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Kevin and Michael Anthony at Golden Years Financial Advisors. Call 574-968-7926 or visit them online at goldenyears-advisors.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Golden Years Financial Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. Insurance products and services are offered through Golden Years Planning Services, Inc. and Anthony Financial Services affiliated companies. Kevin Anthony, Michael Anthony, Golden Years Financial Advisors, Inc. and Anthony Financial Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.